Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. That was Ajaladi Traveler by Ola Dips. And of course, we're traveling today. It's of course cruise control. We just go around town and of course seeing what's happening in the tech blog, tech industry, and seeing what Africa is really doing about the penetration of tech. We're looking at innovations and all of that great stuff. And today I've got two interesting and amazing ladies joining me on the show to talk about tech trends shaping and transforming the tourism sector and of course adventure in africa it's been a while since i've said the word adventure but first let's kick start by talking about the impact of technology which cuts across different sector in africa enabling tech solutions and of course transformation although it is believed that the sector of tourism in africa has been overlooked and lagging behind other industries like we look at the finance, healthcare, education, even agriculture is also popping when we talk about technology. But these days, you, you, you rarely hear anything happening in the tourism sector. And don't forget, Africa is like the second largest and most populous continent in the world and boasts as home to beautiful safaris, spectacular wildlife, and of course, diverse landscape. This is a sector that helps the economy as the backbone for economics, social economic, financial and environmental development in any country. So what's really happening when we talk about tourism in Africa? Let's take stock of all the changing uh, trends that is happening across this sector. With my guests today, I've got Yvonne and Clara with me, but I would like them to officially introduce themselves. <laughs> I can see Claire is really ready for us today. Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good afternoon, Boki. Lovely to be with you on the program. And um, I think it's really going to be an interesting afternoon sharing knowledge with your listeners. Thank you so much for your time. So you've already started the conversation. I mean, introduce yourself, what you do, how you do what you do, and let the listeners get to know you. Okay, so my name is Clara Chimokoro, and I'm the founder and the chief operating officer at My Beautiful Africa. We're a travel technology company whose focus is to digitally transform the travel and hospitality sector businesses in Africa. And we hope to do this by producing technology tools that businesses can adopt to make their operations more seamless and to become more competitive. I like that. And Yvonne? Yes, thank yes. you so much, Buki. I'm super excited to be here today. And I know it's going to be an amazing time. Uh, this is one of my strongest passions. And the industry is one I have worked with over the years. I have kn- known all my life. <laughs> and um, I, I love the hospitality and tourism industry. And I'm excited to be here. My name is Yvonne Joseph. I am the founder and current CEO of 22 Hospitality. It's a digital marketing company that is on a mission to transforming hospitality businesses with online tools, digital solutions, so that they can be more visible and they can get more impact online, transforming their online customers into loyal guests and seeing how their businesses can work in the digital landscape. Thank you so much. 
All right, thank you for that introduction. I really like my guest today because we're all about Africa, we're all about traveling, adventure, and of course, you need a place to stay. You can't just come to Africa and sleep on the streets. We don't want that for you guys. Uh, but we're bringing you all the details how you can get uh, a seamless travel experience and of course enjoy the beautiful Africa. I'm saying beautiful Africa because that's what Miss Clara represents. So um, I would like to ask you first thing first before the main, the main conversation. What's so beautiful about Africa that wherever you get to is the first thing you share with people about where you're coming from? Okay, so I guess I'll just give a backdrop of how I arrived at that name, My Beautiful Africa. I was on a trip to Gambia in 2014, and rather than use a lot of their cards that are available, I decided to do walks, you know, to the conference center, everything. And I realized that the landscape was extremely beautiful. Hmm. I had never been to Gambia. And I figured, look, that the world just thinks in a space where we talk about war and, you know, poverty all the time. But hey, this is the beauty all around me. But why is nobody talking about it? And it just hit me that we're not talking about the beautiful side of Africa. We're not talking about the landscapes, the waterfalls, the fauna, the flowers, everything that is beautiful about this continent. Yeah. And I took it upon myself. I think it's about time we begin to showcase to the world the beautiful side of Africa that a lot of people are overlooking. And the funny thing is, it's normally the wealthy ones in the Western world that come on safaris to Africa. They, they tend to keep away those beautiful sides of the continent from the middle class and the, you know, the bourgeois of their countries. So they make it like a class thing that it's normally the elites and the wealthy ones that can come in and have safari ex you know, adventures, and it became, okay, just project the poverty and the war and leave out that beautiful side of Africa. And that was what we wanted to change the narratives about. I like that. Even what's what's one beautiful thing you get to share with people around the world about Africa from your own view and how you see your Africa? Thank you, Boki. Africa is so blessed. And when I say blessed, I'm not even mixing words. Africa is blessed with a wealth of natural resources. And beyond natural resources, the cultural tourist attractions are so enormous. You can't even exhaust them. Should we talk about the sandy beaches in East Africa? Should we talk about the the wildlife reserves in Southern Africa? When travelers come to Africa or when people visit Africa, I always tell them there is always something for every type of traveler. There is always something for everyone. So when people say, oh, just like Clara, Clara just mentioned that the elite, in quote, they visit Africa mm-hmm. and they, they enjoy all the, the experiences and then they hide mm-hmm. these things from, from, from others when they go back to their home country, which is not supposed to be so because everything that Africa has been blessed with can be accessed by any kind of traveler. Mm. Whether you are, you, are, you are a mid-income traveler, whether you are an elite, a luxury traveler, whether you are a business traveler, there is something for everyone in Africa. So when I go out there, I always tell people that if you come to Africa, regardless of 
any of the African countries you visit, there is something for you as a traveler. Okay. I know uh, we like people to find out more things about Africa just to bring them closer and to come share this beauty with us. But before we tell them to come share this beautiful scenery, landscapes, waterfalls, let's talk about the state of tourist attraction in Africa. And I'm going to start here from Nigeria. When you look at tourist attraction you barely hear a lot or people will say i'm going to the beach or i'm going to badagri or the old zone the uh, trade the slave trade zone yes but when i think of it very rare before you'd hear people say oh i'm going to abuja to look at the rocks recently there was a story about idori getting road access and all of this thing so what's the state of tourist attraction in africa when we look at how it influences tourists to come into the continent all right so basically i would say we naturally don't like to gravitate uh, i mean you know to the real reality of the state of things in Nigeria, we need sometimes to put our heads in the sun to cover it up like it's not there. But the sad truth is that currently Nigeria's passport is the lowest in the sub-Saharan region in Africa. And that just gives you a glimpse of why that is so. The state of most tourist attraction centers in Nigeria truly and nothing to write home about and there is a reason for this because most state governments have not actually placed tourism at the top end of the pyramid where it's supposed to be so when you have very beautiful natural resources that are already put there by god almighty it's you the human species who needs to harness it But you have situations where you want to get to somewhere like Gurara Waterfalls in Niger State or the Awum Waterfalls in Enugu State. Or you want to go to the Obunike Cave in Anambra State and you can't even find a proper road or the trail that will lead you to these places. So there is a depth of infrastructure that will make it easy for you as a global traveler to arrive in Nigeria to get to your destination of the attraction you want to visit and to get into a train or a bus and to get easily to that location housing that tourist attraction so truly and to be honest if something is not done about it we're just going to go around in circles the state of most of these places are really anything to write home about and it's because there are no intentional strategic plans to make them so okay even would you have anything in regards to the state of tourist attraction in Nigeria and Africa yes bookie thank you for that i'm just going to finish up from what clara has just said and she you can't be far from the truth you see nigeria in particular has diverse range of attractions but as clara said i think it all starts from the state level recently someone was sharing with me how he did a research and found out that delta state has over 14 attraction sites and i was like 14 one state are you sure and he started to tell me these places and i was shocked because i mean who would have thought this is a state that it's in the south south and majorly dependent so much on oil and everyone thinks that oh 
oil is the only natural resources that we have been blessed with in this country that we can actually sell to the world. And now that that has not worked for us as a country, it's time for us to start harnessing other areas and that cannot even be overemphasized. So I think that the government of each state should now start having a deliberate and intentional focus towards tourism in their state. And I am very sure that by the time each state governor starts to present their findings, their research, and what they want to do as regards creating access road, like, like Clara said, and making sure that these tourist sites are actually visible, people know about it, they, they make it attractive because it's not just about telling people about it. It's about also making it attractive because you know that most of these places are ancient. Most of these places are old. So we have, for example, some museums that are, are dilapidated. You can actually renovate this museum and make it very attractive for the modern day traveler. So make it so attractive that there will be something for people to anticipate and there will be something for people to come and see so making it attractive creating the access road and the availability for people to actually come and visit these places is so important so these are the challenges that we we, we are seeing currently in nigeria for infrastructure uh, a lack of security because if people think about how they might be kidnapped on their way to visiting any of these remote places where these um, tourist sites are situated, they will be discouraged to go. So the lack of the insecurity, political instability, inadequate funding, these are just some of the challenges that can actually discourage tourists from coming into the country. Not just local tourists, but also international tourists so that we can strengthen our economic system. We can also increase awareness about what we bring as a country. So I'll just stop there. Thank you. All right. Thanks for highlighting that because the government also have a lot to do. I mean, you talked about the road security, which is also very important. But one thing that they've uh, taken and made a move towards is um, gathering of data. Now we're talking about biometrics. I remember Clara just mentioned about the issue of visa, getting visa to some of these African countries and, of course, passport situation. So when we look at this, how does this affect the state of tourism? Like, I remember I wanted to go to South Africa last year and I had to do the e-visa and they were telling me that my e-visa is going to take about four to six weeks. And the travel option was just open for, there was a period of time which was now up to four to three weeks. So how do we tackle some of this challenge in terms of data, passports, visa, to enable local and international tourists in and out of Africa? Okay, yes. So basically, let's start from the aspect of infrastructure. Globally, we have over 40 countries that have keyed into utilizing e-visa for their arrivals and, you know, visitors for tourism, so to say. Then the infrastructure to build that is quite expensive if you want to make it as a standalone in a country. So what some countries do, like you have the United States, you have the European Union, 
you have Great Britain, they build their backbone structures, you know, as a collective of countries and then tap into that to now dovetail into their countries and use that same backbone to do the necessary configurations that would be independent to their country. So it's quite expensive to set up the infrastructure to do some of those things. And that's what greatly affected Africa. We just have a few countries in Africa that offer the e-visa solutions. If I can remember off the cuff, Kenya, Tanzania, and South Africa. And South Africa that you were uh, mentioning, I think this came on board after the COVID-19. And what happened was that the volume of travelers would affect the operations of your e-visa portal. Because if there is a surge in so many applications going on, the bandwidth might not be able to accommodate the, the, the quantum of applications that they will be processing. So what happens is you have quite a lot of backlog for home office to process. And that takes the time that ordinarily it's supposed to be something that should take time because it's technology, it's digital. It should be able to do it. And then the, the, the next day you have, you know, a revert to your application. But like I said, adoption of technology is the first step and then processing it is the second stage. So we don't know the, the quantum of investment that has been made into their infrastructure to build that to make it a lot easier and seamless. But as you have uh, mentioned, as a client, you tried it and you were told that it was going to take you about two to four weeks to process, which shouldn't really be so, because that also is what the manual sticker visa would have taken you about the same time to get out if you were traveling. And these are some of the issues. The, you know, the, 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 the quantum of investment to set those up, the structures up, and then also the, 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 the timeline in terms of the volume of people making that application and if the bandwidth will be able to accommodate that in terms of the processing time it will take. I mean, I like the fact that you mentioned it shouldn't take that long because I had to offer another country and that took me just three days. I'm like, so what are we really missing out here in Africa? If I could get another country in three days, why not any country in Africa within such a short period of time? So now let's... Those are the explanations I just gave you I know, now. I'm just the saying, like, uh, that was my mindset. So I was looking forward to having this conversation because this is mostly what okay. people are really talking about but they've not gotten that answer directly from people who are operating in that uh, sector i'm glad i'm really i'm really appreciative of your time on the show and sharing this knowledge with us so now let's look at the infiltration of technology i mean tech has come and is almost everywhere in fintech in health tech agrotech and now we're looking at tourism tourism is always more at the back what's really going on when we talk about the emergence of this technology is it that tourism is not catching up so fast okay i'll start with yvonne from hospitality i mean we can't talk about tourism without hospitality and i'm looking at database right now there are new tools there are new trends that people are using to push um, hospitality for tourist attractions so what are this emerging uh, technology what have they done what are the solutions that they've been able to prefer in terms of hospitality 
Okay, thank you, Boki, and um, thank you for directing your question <laughs> at last. I'll make sure to do okay, that so, now. Yes, yeah, so I think that technology in Africa, or should we even bring it home to Nigeria, is growing slowly. And I, when I say it's growing slowly, I mean the adoption of mm-hmm. technology in Nigeria is growing slowly, especially in the tourism um, sector, in the tourism industry. I think that one of the reasons is because people have not started to see ways which at which these technology tools can actually aid the sector, can actually generate more revenue for the sector. And I really like what Clara does with her conference, with her summit. And I think more people should begin to do that. Information is key booking. You know, when people don't have a knowledge about something, they don't really know anything about it. It's difficult to expect them to actually do those things or use those things. We need to spread more information about the use of technology in the tourism sector because it's going to be a very big driver and a very big booster for the tourism sector. And I'll give an example. I visited a hotel a few months ago, I think early this year, and I was supposed to take pictures of the hotel, of the hotel facility. And I brought a partner with me who had a VR tool and he was going to use this VR tool to capture the spaces of the hotel in a way that it was going to look almost like real. If anybody was to look at those pictures, the person would actually think that he or she was at that hotel facility in real time. And when we were working, the client came to us and was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, I I had to start explaining what it is, what it does, and the benefits. And it just crossed my mind that really people are not really informed about what technology can do for their businesses as it relates um, to the hospitality and tourism industry so the first place i think that we have to start from is information from the federal level from the state level from the local government to the to the to the businesses they, they need to announce the right information to know what this technology actually does for them before they can actually use it. Because you cannot use something that you don't even understand what it does. You cannot effectively even use it. Even when it's handed to you, if you don't know how it operates, how would you know how to use it? So the aspect of technology when it comes to tourism is something that cannot even be overlooked. Mm-hmm. You, you, Technology is everywhere. When you sleep, when you wake up, it is chasing us all around. And we are seeing the emergence of AI, of artificial intelligence. And people are talking about it. The whole world is talking about it. But Nigeria, the tourism sector in Nigeria and even in Africa is so quiet. Why? Because they've not even used the basic tech tools yet to harness the industry sector. How would they even start with artificial intelligence? But I don't. I'm. I, I'm not giving up because I know that it is possible and it will definitely happen. Uh, come to think of it, if a tourist owner decides to start using some tech tools, for example, augmented re- reality—that's the AR 
to bring historical sites or cultural experiences to life, you can imagine how that is going to boost the tourism sector in Nigeria. You can imagine how that is going to actively allow visitors to engage with the rich heritage that we have because these are immersive and interactive tech tools, right? Mm -hmm. So for the tourism industry, I think we should start exploring immersive technology tools that can help us bring these various experiences, the cultural experiences, the uh, site attractions, the various beautiful destinations, bring them to life so that people can then see in real time what these things look like before they even visit the various sites before they even come to our country they can see it and that's why i in particular as a company owner i push for digital visibility because even if you have all these tools in place you still need to be digitally active you still need to be digitally visible to spread the message across to uh, uh, various places where you cannot reach physically so technology in the tourism sector has to be greatly harnessed because we are missing out on a lot of potential i'll just let clara take over from there thank you all right thank you everyone uh clara do you have anything to add to how like she mentioned Yvonne said there is no enough information out there on how people can tap into this emerging technologies and all of that stuff so how do we tap into this and how does this help promote competitiveness in the world as a global region how do we tap into what the world is all about okay so i just give you a case scenario so for my business i have an archetype of who my client is so i have uh, maybe alison is a black american and she has fond passion about visiting motherland which is africa mm-hmm. but she's a high profile financial analyst who works on wall street and time is an extreme currency for her time is huge currency for her so alison is highly dependent on technology to schedule her day to schedule her trips to schedule her activities and everything she does and so she goes online and begins to you know look for uh, materials to plan her next vacation she's always wanted to go to her motherland you know in africa and she you know comes across quite a lot of things about Ghana Nigeria and it's now dependent on the available information on those digital spaces to let her make an informed decision about where she's going to so first she's going to start to research hotels she's going to research transportation mobility she's going to research availability of good restaurants around where she's going to she's going to research the resort the natural tourist attractions in those places if these places are not on the internet you've lost a client and that's where the advanced economies like europe like the united states of america has gone miles and miles ahead of africa because barely at the touch of a button you have everything you need for a concierge to plan your itinerary for your vacation right at the tip of your fingers so she truly wants to come to her motherland she truly wants to connect with africa but there is no information on the website she's gone to there's no information about these places that would 
make her tell her concierge company, hey, this is where I want to go. These are the places I would like to visit when I get to Ghana. Can you help me with hotels around here for them to plan a well-fit vacation for this archetype of a client? So that's the major challenge that is facing Africa in this digital transformation aspect. And how can we be able to leapfrog? It's not so difficult any longer. The backbones are there already. The big tech companies, Google Travel, Facebook, Meta, they're building infrastructure to help you leapfrog. So all you have to do is feed content on the internet. So when anybody types through SEO, your business information will come up there. Your country's name will come up there. Your natural resources and tourist areas will come up there and help them make a decision to come into your country in Africa for their vacation. And what does that do? It brings in capital into your economy. Ghana, as we talked today, has turned over $9 trillion in two years through tourism. And has said last week, I learned that the Vice President of the United States for their first official state visit is heading to Ghana. This tells you that if you're not intentional about growing your infrastructure for tourism, you're going to be missing, missing a lot in terms of capital inflow into your economy. When you talk about e-wallet, what does that do? This is the ability to be able to transcend you know, your financial transactions across borders. So I don't have to be afraid that I'm going to run out of cash if I travel with dollars into Nigeria. With my digital cash app, Google Pay, Apple Pay, or with my Samsung Pay wallet, I can be able to do transactions anywhere I step into in Nigeria. And I will not be afraid that I will be cash strapped. So these are the issues we really need to be intentional to look into and think about the, the, the minuses are huge if we, if we continue to overlook what technology is already doing for so many countries in terms of bringing in huge resources, huge incomes into their economy. Yes, that was a very good one from you. Thank you. You talked about the e-wallet. E-wallet is actually a great adoption. I would actually recommend that we look into that so that people... Now, the world is moving cashless, and I like the fact that we're into the e-era right now in Nigeria, and some other countries are catching up with this digital currency. Another thing I came across was the e-SIM. I don't know if any of you have heard about it. Even Clark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah so, sure. so but then I, I researched into it and I found out that people are struggling with the activation of this eSIM because most uh, tourists will be like, when I come to your country, I can't get access to talk to my people from wherever they are. So what's the situation like when we talk about connectivity before I move to the next question? Clara, you can respond to that. Okay, so um, what the, the big um, mobile telecoms companies in Nigeria, I think, are still not very intentional about developing that product because I think probably they're looking at it as an elitist product and it's meant majorly for people who um, travel a lot, which is a smaller percentage of the major, you know, normal SIM market in Nigeria as we know it. But eSIM is going to be a huge leap 
leapfrog for a lot of people, whether you're that small percentage of their target market for that, who they figure will use it, or just people who do domestic travel across their countries. Because the point is, eSIM is going to be a big, big leapfrog over and above for security. You can see what's going on with a lot of challenges we have in Nigeria currently. When you lose your phone, the first fear is if anyone has access to your SIM card, they're going to be able to empty your bank account with that. And so you have a lot of challenges tied to the physical SIM card that we currently use. But eSIM is going to make that a lot difficult for anybody to access because most of your data are stored with the mobile provider and you can only get access to it through data that truly belongs to you probably by your um, fingerprint or by any other sort of biometric that clearly states that you're the owner of that thing and nobody else can have access to it in order to be able to open it up to do any sort of fraud or anything that would harm your your private you know data or details so essentially it's going to be something that you know i would advise the the big mobile telecom companies that have already come up with it that's the mtn and the air i mean airtel are the two that i have heard about it's going to make it a lot seamless when we travel i don't need to start activating a sim at the airport to call my family that i'm already safely landed at the country which i travel to eSIM will make it a lot easy for me to call anywhere in the world and still be able to safeguard my original number. That's my SIM number that originally belongs to me. And I think the plot is a lot much more than the mind in terms of technology. All right. So, Ivana, I'll be pushing this question to you because I know when we look at the hospitality department, I remember back in the days, you have to go through a book for, of directories to find contact. Then you have to call. Even before that, you have to actually get to the hotel or get to wherever you're booking. And now we have Airbnb springing up. We have people leasing their apartment to uh, travelers, to tourists to be able to use. So what's this emerging technology that is currently help shaping this transformation when we talk about hospitality for tourists people to be able to get a place and find safety while on tour yeah thank you bookie i think beyond the use of otas that's other online travel agencies Mm -hmm. there should be that intentionality for hotel owners or accommodation owners to actually leverage on their own home front Clara talked a bit about them being visible. It's very important. I mean, before I visit uh, any OTA site, the first thing that comes to my mind is your hotel's name first. For example, I want to visit Hotel ABC. I won't be thinking about an OTA first. I will be thinking about Hotel ABC. And the first thing I go online to check is Hotel ABC. So, uh, what OTA actually does is to just increase your visibility. That's what it does. But the first place is your home front. So, if you do not keep it, it's more like a charity begins at home, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you don't keep your house uh, in order, 
first you go spread yourself across multiple platforms uh, uh, you might just be doing yourself a disservice because the first place to start is from your house first so in your house in order for me is being visible that intentionality to actually want to improve your visibility as a business owner when i go online to search for hotel abc your hotel pops up with every information that i need about your hotel and that gives me great joy i can actually book directly from your um whether it's your hotel website i can or your landing page i can book directly i can make other inquiries that i need from that um, from your hotel i can even check out other areas surrounding areas that i can visit from just making my reservation so online travel sites is not new yeah it's been in existence for for years now but that uh intentionality for businesses to in Nigeria or in Africa to keep going regardless of oh am i getting enough customers or am i getting enough guests or not that intentionality for them to keep putting themselves out there knowing that they are building their digital footprint is something that must not even be taken for granted because at the end of the day you're trying to make your business grow you're trying to grow your business online you're trying to increase visibility for your business you're trying to increase reach for your business so i have even seen some hotels even have their own booking sites which is very good and very encouraging so you go to their website and you see they have their own booking sites where you can book especially hotel chains where you can book or check other hotel properties that they own so online visibility is something that must be done and must be done continuously so you can say oh uh, you 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 put you put one naira into your digital marketing effort this month and then the following month you are saying oh you know what i think i want to take a break um, i'm going to skip this month and you it needs to be a drive you need to continue so keep pushing out there so many of the hotels in nigeria do not place emphasis on their digital marketing budget so they just open their various accommodation businesses and they think that guests must automatically walk in we are living in a digital era where people buy first from what they see before they even buy from you they first for buy in their minds before they buy from you physically so if they are not seeing you if your digital presence is shaky if you're even online but you don't even have the right information for them to um access it's a problem thank you for what you just shared i'm moving this next question to clara to ask about when we talk about technology we see urbanization happening everywhere things are changing i mean we're losing some of our local landscape Mm -hmm. and uh, there's environmental degradation also so does this threaten the growth and sustainability of tourism in africa Okay, so it's actually a growing culture for a lot of corporate organizations, you know. So it's a growing currency, which is very critical to protecting the natural ecosystem that draws people in. So you have the savannas, you have the deserts, you have the oceans, your caves, just they need to protect. So um, looking at the technologies that are now driving the cap, and we're looking at carbon footprints 
So how is this translating to what we can do to make sure that the ecosystems, the houses, most of this natural, you know, and even the airport was submerged in water, aviation and the wallage that is done to the, to the um, what you call now the, that's the ozone layer, yes. And because if the ozone layer is highly exposed, it's going to cause damage to the floras and the faunas in the world. And it's also going to change the model of the weather, the way we know it. So all this imbalance will gradually start to cause these erosions that we're seeing. And the damage is caused by extra torrential rains that tend to submerge countries and things like that. So what companies now do is, if you are one of the companies that sign up to the climate change agreement, you begin to be very careful and wary of the quantity of your carbon footprints. And as you measure it, it could be translated to tax deductions for you. If your carbon footprints are very low, the, the government will tend to cut down on a lot in terms of the taxes they will take from you. And you can do this through the use of technology by changing the type of fossil fuel you're using now into hydrogen fuel for airlines, like I mentioned, and then also by the use of electric cars like we're seeing with companies like Tesla who have um, stations where you can actually go to recharge your batteries rather than using the fossil fuel we're using currently like diesel and petrol. So over time, all this is going to cut down the emission that is causing the damage in terms of climate change. And it's the technology that is being used to develop all these alternative means of energy that would greatly make sure that our environments are protected. And Africa is already also tending towards this line of signing up with companies that tend to give carbon footprints exchange with taxes and all that. And this is also what we're beginning to see as the trend that is moving on. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we're going to move straight into collaboration and partnership. I'm almost running out of time here. Let's talk about how collaboration and partnership can help us in how we tell the African story to entice stories. Um, Yvonne, you can you can respond first to this question. Okay, thank you, Voki. Well, I also believe that technology, let's start with technology first before mm-hmm. we talk about the partnerships. Uh, technology can be greatly used to really tell African stories and also be used to preserve even the authenticity of the cultural experiences that we have in Africa, because we have a lot. And as we've said from the beginning of our discussion, it's something that must be honest greatly if we want to really see economic growth in our continent and in our country, Nigeria, bringing it home. Now, in terms of partnerships, well, there are a lot of partnership opportunities that we can begin to harness even from the government level, from the private sector level, public sector level, individuals, business owners. There are loads of um, partnership opportunities that we can begin to harness and loads of collaboration that we can harness. We just need to look inwards to see which country is doing, is doing well and how they are doing it. We don't even have to go far. We can learn from our, our fellow African brothers 
our fellow uh, African countries and neighboring countries. Clara mentioned Ghana. I lived in Ghana for four years and I know that um, when it comes to tourism, Ghana is not joking around. And funny enough, they don't even have as much as we have here in Nigeria. I remember visiting one of the caves in Ghana and it was so exciting to see that the zeal and the, the vibe that the tour guide was putting into the work. You would think that he was being paid millions to do what he does. And when I digged in deeper, I saw that it was actually a government-owned tourist company who was in charge of waiting for people who were interested in taking tours around the, the city and showing them different destinations. So let's start from the, from the various tourism bodies and tourism individuals that we have as store guides, travel agencies, how they can collaborate with the government first. These people have the ideas, but they need the support, right? Okay. Then they need funding. For example, if transportation was given to some of this store guide, I think it will be it will make the work easier and more beautiful. If the access roads are already provided by the government, there is no need to just leave it at that. You can the government can even go ahead to say, you know what, who are the endorsed tourism bodies in Nigeria? Okay, okay what do you need to make the process or to make your work easier? And maybe it could be, or the fact that they don't even have any means of transportation, because I know some of them don't. Okay, we would provide government-owned buses for you to take or move people from point A to point B. So that could be an example of a great partnership when it comes to government and um, stakeholders partnership. So this can be very encouraging because it will even make give them the zeal to even want to do more. They have the skill, they have the passion, they need the funding, right? They need the resources, right? So this is just one of the resources that can be easily implemented when it comes to government and stakeholder relationship and many others. So we need to look within us and then look at what our neighbors are doing and see how we can collaborate or partner with them and to make it more beautiful. Thank you. In terms of the... Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Clara, would you give us a quick one? Okay, basically, a quick one, like you said. Um, I think that's basically the way the world is running now. Collaborations and partnerships. When people bring their strengths together, you know, and combine it, it, you know, as long as everyone remains honest and truthful to themselves in terms of the contracts that are signed, and respects it. You bring your own strengths and I bring mine. If you have expertise in a certain area and I have expertise in a certain area and we can build a company, you know, our separate companies coming together to work on projects and we have a contract that will state our terms of engagement. Once the contract, you know, explains everything, we're good to go. So, I mean, it works very perfectly in technology. You have uh, the likes of Microsoft working with Intel. They supply components to make parts of the computers that they build. And, you know, everything works perfectly well because each is bringing their own strengths to the table. So I think tourism and travel companies need to understand that 
that's the easiest way to cut down on expenses to bring strengths together to make money together and to be able to forge ahead in leaps and bounds if we want to truly grow because like the saying that says you can go far if you walk alone but you can go extremely far if you walk together all right thank you very much for that last quote i think that would do a whole lot to all of these things we've been saying i appreciate your time on the show thank you yvonne for all the knowledge you shared with us on the show also uh we hope to do this some other time with you if you'd permit but quickly can you share your social media handle so uh people can actually check you online and follow and of course if they have questions okay continue okay sure okay so um i'm online as the hospitality queen so put that on facebook put that on instagram at the hospitality queen and then on linkedin as yvonne joseph thank you okay so mine is at underscore my beautiful underscore africa that's on instagram and that's also on facebook but on linkedin i'm clara chingwe okoro all right thank you so much for your time um call it a day do have a lovely evening thank you thank you thank you thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com